Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Hey, Jen, why don't you cue fake podcast music? <laughs> Roger Dodger. All right. What's what going you on? Doing? Sipping on coffee. Playing on my iPad. Yeah, that's fun. You know what? Um, lately, we've been seeing the same dog walking, and it looks exactly like my dog. Like, if somebody brought me this dog, I would think that dog was my dog. You I, know, would have, I would have to wait to look, because, you know, my dog has one ear that's always a little bit back, and one ear that's always a little forward. He's my asymmetrical dog. I would have to, like, look at that dog to make sure his ears weren't equal. <laughs> Do you know that Apollo has a clone? Does he? And he lives across, like, I want to say across one of the intersections by my house uh-huh. and like four houses away. And that dog looks exactly like Apollo. When the dog gets out, everybody drops him off at, in my backyard like he's my dog. <laughs> Is how much he looks like apollo i mean no I, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even know it oh. I, I wouldn't be able to tell for god's sake really yeah that's the way it looks like with uh, angus and that other dog i was like i'd have to like look at him from the like face forward to see if one ear was always back <laughs> you know what i'm saying i'd have to check his collar is that what you do mm-hmm. uh, so today I'm going to talk about uh, a Jane Doe being identified years later. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've got a couple of, and I'm not going to lie, I got at least one more Jane Doe that I'm going to tell you on a different day. I okay. went through a Doe kick. I told you I was going through my right? list of things I wanted to go over, and apparently at one point I was on a Doe kick. <laughs> I don't know right? why. I seem to focus on solved ones because it definitely makes me feel better. Right. Especially the, the older solved ones because I feel like you never, you didn't get away with it. Right. <laughs> we still got definitely. you at the last minute. You know, I've been watching on Prime, Amazon Prime, there's, I can't look because it'll cut our call off, but it's like, it's called like Mothers Who Murder. Okay. But, okay. It, it's got a deceiving title, and I think it's like Mothers Who Murder. But it's not about Mothers Who Murder. It's about mother, how these murderers come to be, and the show talking about how maybe it's the mother who made the person that way. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's not really like mothers are murder, murdering. It's yeah. really mothers are raising murderers. Oh, my gosh. Somebody's mad is, at women that makes that show. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, will, I will have to say it, it, it's been very interesting. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Today, um, I'm, I'm uh, bringing in a 1970 murder in Ithaca. Oh, is this so the Ithaca, think... New York one? No, okay. it's not. 
Okay. It's it's not it's not that one, no. But I at the end of this one I'm gonna jump over and I'm gonna tell you guys about the New York one. Okay. Because it's be yeah, I'm gonna tell you about that. But this is how this murder in in some people, if you're from Michigan, I guess you would know it as the murder house. Okay. Why why it's called the murder house? You know, when I seen it, it's like the 1970 murder. Vo- just to let you know, your voice is kind of fading in and out. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it can't. It just it can't. It's take overwhelmed it. by your awesomeness, and it feels like it just it just has to like pause out for a second to think about the beauty. <laughs> can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay, you just yell if it does it again. Okay. Um, so yeah, so when I started investigating this, it was all about this murder house. Okay. And I'm thinking murder house, right? Like it's just a house in in millions of people got murdered. Right. It's not, it's a, it's a, it's a murder. Okay. Of one person. Okay. Okay. It didn't even have, didn't even happen in the house. Okay. okay. So, so I'm going to guess, wait, I'm going to guess just with that info, just with that info, it's a small community. Is it a Ithaca, small community? I, I mean, I don't even know where Ithaca is. Well, I have to break out a map. Hold on. Where is Ithaca, Michigan? I have no idea. I didn't even look. I can look. Um, here, I got it right but, here. It says Ithaca. Let me pull back out. I was like, you got to pull back, Google. You're in too close. I can't see. Pull back. Pull back. Okay, so <laughs> it's close to mid-Michigan. If oh. anything, you, yeah, it's mid-Michigan. Shit, close to mid-Michigan. It looks like the dot's right in the middle. Yeah, so maybe it is small, but it's so funny because so obviously people from Michigan know it as the oh, murder house. But... Dude, there's just under 3,000 people that live there. It's totally nice. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder, I wonder if the house is still standing, and nobody owns it. We're we gonna could, have to look that up. I know, I'm like we could go. It's not right. that far, right? All right, let me know what happened. You want me to go first? I'll go you first. You go ahead. Tell me, please. I'm listening. Okay, Alonzo Hart was a local truck driver, and in November 1970. He returned home and was beat to death with a 17-inch weight bar. And it was said to take only two blows to kill him. So this person th- this person had to be very strong, I'm guessing. Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. This person is obviously strong and hit him twice and killed him. Okay. Outside of the home. Okay. Like just, on the property? Just- on the property. But not in the home. Okay. Yep. So, Alonzo was married to Sarah. So, he was married. Okay. Enter Philip Lippert. Who's Philip Lippert? He was age 17 at the time. He was having an affair with Alonzo's wife, Sarah. During this affair... She began to push Philip to find someone to murder her husband. Oh, shit. 
their relationship was all about drugs and sex. Oh, I remember this. Do you? I actually do. And so she offered Philip 50% of the life insurance policy. So at 17, Philip was like, all right. Well, and he introduced- never had sex before. He's having sex. He's doing drugs. Like, right? this is the life. As, it, it, you're 17. Your dick is sinking, you know? Yep. Yeah. And so Philip introduced Sarah to a guy named Primble. P-R-I-B-B-L-E. Okay. And they and Primble and Sarah started arranging the details of the murder. Oh, no. So just to keep in mind... So Philip's not involved. He introduces Sarah to Primble, and Primble and Sarah are are planning, plotting, and planning. Okay. She would be so they start arranging the details. She would be out with the kids while Primble and Philip would be waiting at their house to kill Alonzo. Wow. Primble murdered Alonzo while Philip was behind the garage. So Philip was hiding behind the garage. Primble murders Alonzo. They leave. Oh, jeez. Not sure. I, I'm not really sure. There was a couple uh, articles, but they were newspaper articles. And, you know, when you click on them, you got to, like, pay for the service so you can read the article. Oh, yeah. I hate that. You so, teases. Yeah, so I have no idea how, but Philip and Primble were caught by the police. Okay. How it happened, I'm not sure. In that news article, it probably says. And they were immediate, and immediately they both plead guilty. Okay. So this happened in November. They plead guilty in December. Okay. They're charged, you know, or, you know, they get sentenced and they go to jail. Philip was granted parole after serving 45 years in prison. Wow. In his his parole hearing, he expressed regret for his role in the murder and desired to contribute to society in his, his later years. Wow. And it is said that it was always known that he played a very minimal role. He, he did 45 him. years? He did 45 years. Wow. Yep. Oh, Primble, Primble was actually released. Um, released before him? Yep, released before him. On parole. And, on parole, and he will actually be off supervision Sometime this year in 2020, Primble will be. Oh, gee. Oh, man. I feel so bad. I right. Mean, the kid, it was definitely part of something. But think about that dude that um, was involved with Vina Stewart's murder, where the husband uh, grabbed her when she was out getting the mail. Yeah. That dude pretended to be him so that he could go murder his wife. He knew about it the whole time. He never told authorities so that it could be stopped. And, you know, like even while the dude was driving there, he could have called somebody to warn her that he's coming to kill her. And that dude got it like a year. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's fucking well, crazy. This gets even crazier. 
Because what about Sarah? Oh, right. She she plotted and planned, and she's going to pay this guy half of the life insurance to to kill uh, her husband. Okay. She had faced, and again, we go into these news articles that I couldn't read, but the she had faced charges. But it looks like she had like years of legal proceedings, okay. which which included a lot of psych, psychiatric testing and treatments, uh. and and her memory, like she had memory loss supposedly, and like years of memory loss, Jesus. not just in the present memory loss. <sighs> then then it looks like she went missing. Who, where, where did she go? And in 1978, don't ask me why, all charges were dropped against her. What? And that right. poor kid Philip did 45 years. Right. And so the Morning Star um, had that basic information on her with the psychiatric treatment. And they also reported that it is believed she has, you know, since 1978, remarried multiple times um, and lives somewhere in the Ludington, Michigan area. Oh, my gosh. She never left Michigan? Yeah. And I could not search and search and trying to find, like, how how do you plot and plan your husband's murder and... You're charged, like they're charging you. You go through this stuff, supposedly you lose memory loss, and all of a sudden you go missing, and then, you know, hey, we're just not going to charge you anymore? Like, that just blew my mind. Like, I searched and searched. Like, how in the world did this happen? And Phillips here serving 45 years. The other guy obviously deserves it. But he I can think it was maybe they up. just didn't have any evidence that you know, or maybe the guys did. They talk about if the guys said that yeah, she was part of it. Yeah, and in the Philip, you get you guys can go online and on and if you look up Philip's name, uh-huh. it's his whole transcript from the parole hearing, and he lists it out. You know about how she was, you know, kept on him and on him for quite some time. This wasn't just like, oh, the dude's, you know, having sex and getting drugs and stuff. And sure, right away, he said, yes, this was a a long period of time. She well, she's tried doing the get- sex, the drugs, and manipulation. Like, just manipulating yeah. him. Oh, my gosh. But, but and so, I, I just don't know. I like how. And then I'm thinking to myself, do your other husbands know? Because I just, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking that if that was a man, so if that was my boyfriend, Uh you know, and he, his wife was murdered and the news article said that they were, you know, he was involved. I just don't think I'd marry him. Well, what if she doesn't say anything about it and now she so she gets married after this time or she just picks a different name and you Google her, you're not going to find her because she's under a new name now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It was see for a guy. Very... He can They don't. Guys don't change their name, so it look. It would be harder for them to hide. With women, it's people think it's natural when we change our name. I am very upset, though, 
from what I can't figure out why she wasn't charged. Yeah. I forget why she wasn't charged. You dropped the charges. So why did you decide to drop charges? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. All I could think is maybe it's on a technicality, like somebody fucked up a warrant or something. Yeah. And yeah. now, and now you guys get a bonus, a bonus story because of the, I'm looking up Ithaca and come find out it's a New York story. Tell me. Bonus. Ruth Van Houten. H-A-U-T-E-N. Houghton. Okay. In 1977, New York. In September 1977, Ruth was found smothered to death in her bed in Ithaca, Michigan. Or not no. Michigan. See, I New said York. Michigan again. Yeah. It's Ithaca, New York. Yeah. They collected DNA and fingerprints and had a suspect, David Grimes, but could not link him to the crime scene. <sighs> the case went cold until January 2010. After they took another look into the case, ran the DNA, and it came back as a positive match to their suspect in 1977, which was David Grimes. Wow. David Grimes was is actually currently in prison for burglary, robbery, and serving fifty years a fifty year sentence for that. Wow! And he will not go on trial for Ruth's murder because her family has chosen not to move forward with char- with criminal charges against him. And I'm assuming that this is because if you calculate it out. David Grimes' age and, uh, and his sentence. Uh-huh. He's actually not getting out until he's 93. Okay. So I'm assuming that, hey, you know, why why go through Having all of to that? Hear about and, all that? Yeah. Yeah. When in reality, the guy might not even live to 93. And, and if he does, he's not going to have, you know, much of a life when he comes out. Yeah, true. That's true. Wow. So that's the bon- that's the bonus story because I didn't know what state I was in. Okay, well I'm also going to tell you a story from the 70s. And uh I used wikipedia and crimeandinvestigation.co.uk. So, this is about Dawn Magyar. And she was 20 years old and she was living in Chesaning, which is a village in Michigan. It's just south of the Thumb Crease. So she was married with a son, and he had just recently turned a year old. And on January 27th, 1973, Dawn asked her friend if she could borrow their truck so that she could go grocery shopping in Owasso. So while at the store, Dawn Dawn spoke briefly to a friend, and she was checking out, and the friend sees her leaves the store, and that is the last time she's seen alive. And when Dawn doesn't return home, her husband, Don, calls the police. And the following day, January 28th, is when the police go to the grocery store and they find the truck. Now, that kind of bothered me. Like, why didn't they go check a woman <laughs> came up missing? Like, they could have even have just called the grocery store and said, "Can do you see a truck out in the parking lot? And would have known mm-hmm. whether or not her truck was out there. I guess the 70s were a different time. You know what I mean? Let's hope that things would go different now. So the truck was still parked where she was still parked where she had parked it originally when she first arrived. But they knew that she had gotten to the car because her groceries were inside the car. And the way her keys were, is they said, well, it's scattered around her truck. But I'm assuming probably just on the ground nearby. 
So it made them think that she'd been forcibly abducted. So at this time, word gets out in the small community that this young mother's been abducted from the grocery store. So about 4,000 volunteers collect to search the surrounding area. And like, despite this massive effort, her body's not found. And about six weeks later in Saginaw County, two young brothers, they're Bill and Wayne Summers, they were working on their maple syrup farm and they're walking around tapping trees. And that's when they come across the body of a deceased young woman. And so her body was brought to the medical examiner where it was determined that it was Don Magyar. And he was also able to determine that she had been raped before she was murdered. She was shot three times with 22 caliber bullets in her head and her back. And there were actually two different brands of ammunition. There were two Remington bullets and one Winchester. And it was also determined that Dawn had died within an hour and a half of being abducted. So she was found about an hour and a half drive from her abduction site. So they assumed that he grabbed her, you know, did whatever in that hour and a half, maybe raped her there and then immediately killed her. And about a year and a half after she was murdered in June of 1974, a 22 caliber revolver was found and it had been recovered from the Shiawassee River in Owasso. And it was still loaded with bullet brands that had been used to kill Don, both the Remington and the Winchester. And the gun, though, was actually, unfortunately, too rusted to fire. So matching the ballistics wasn't possible. And investigators were able to use the identification numbers on the gun to follow it to a pawn shop in Yuma, Arizona. And the record from the pawn shop showed that the gun had been purchased in 1965 by a man named Robert Shaw. And they were unable to locate Robert Shaw for questioning at the time. So there's different articles. One said that Robert Shaw was Don's first husband. And one said that there was no link between Robert and Don. And it was like very confusing. And I couldn't find the source of truth without searching like marriage certificates. So I'm going to say that Robert was her first husband for this article. And if I'm wrong, I'm truly sorry. Please correct me. I accept corrections. All right. Three years after Don was killed. In 1976, her wallet, including her identification, was found on the banks of the Shiawassee River. And it was discovered in the same area that the gun was believed to um, be found, the murder weapon. And just after that, her case goes cold. In 1988, a detective who was working cold cases decided to look at Don's murder as they had DNA from the scene. And when Don died, DNA evidence hadn't been discovered yet, but the police department had kept the evidence which included a sample from the killer, specifically semen that they had collected from the scene. So that year, detectives were able to locate Robert Shaw. So he's the first husband and the recorded owner of the gun. Robert had admitted to, admitted to purchasing the gun, but he claimed it had been stolen from him while he was married to Don well before her death. So Robert's DNA doesn't match the killer, and so the police lets him go. And a few years later, in 2000, Robert tells the police that shortly after he and Don had divorced, Don dated a man named Gerald Weingart, and he could possibly have taken the gun. And detectives investigated Gerald Leroy Weingart to see if there's any validity in Robert's claim. So they look into Gerald and they find out when he was 20 years old in 1961, he was married to a woman who was an engineering student on a scholarship to the University of Michigan. And while they were married, they lived in Ann Arbor. And that year, he was convicted of robbing someone at gunpoint, 
while they escorted a blind U of M student through the town. And Gerald also raped the young blind student. Yeah. For the rape and robbery, Gerald did eight years in prison, being released in 1969. And after that, Gerald worked as a long haul trucker living in different states. And by 2001, Gerald was 60 years old and he's still living in Michigan. He's married to his fourth wife. He has a grown daughter. And he was working at Chrysler Sterling Heights stamping plant in the accounting office. So investigators were able to determine that in 1973, Gerald was in Owasso visiting a friend. And then they followed Gerald trying to obtain a DNA sample to compare to the sample from the crime scene. And they used evidence from a cigarette butt that he was smoking. And they compared it to the sperm specimen from the murder scene. And it's a match. So March 7th. I know, oh, wow. like a dude that would blape, uh, rape a blind girl and rob her escort is just pure evil. So, of course, he did this, too. And I'm going to say, I bet you while he was a long-haul trucker, he wasn't an angel. I'm going to guess that. Yeah. Right. So, March 7th, 2001, over 28 years after he raped and murdered Don Magyar, Gerald Weingart was charged with the crime of murder. And the statute of limitations had been reached for the crime of rape. Which I was like, I don't understand. Someone needs to explain to me, why do we have a statute of limitations? Like, you rape someone and it's against the law, but if you wait long enough, it's fine. You know what I mean? I'm like, why? I don't understand why we do that. It's just terrible. And the trial was held at Livingston County Courthouse in November of 2001. And Gerald explained that his semen was on Dawn because they had actually had consensual sex. And previous to her abduction. And his excuse, his excuse didn't hold well because the semen had to have been excreted in the 90-minute window between her abduction and her death because they could tell because of the degradation of the sample, et cetera, right? So November mm-hmm. 27, 2001, Gerald Leroy Weingart was sentenced to prison for first-degree felony premeditated murder. So in Michigan, this means a sentence of life in prison, no parole. Gerald tried to appeal his case for the murder, and it was rejected in 2003 by the Michigan Appeals Court. And he appealed that decision in 2004, but he was denied by the Michigan Supreme Court. So I wrote a PS because there's some more on this ass face. There were, yeah, there were <laughs> other crimes in Washtenaw County and Ionia County, Michigan, that Gerald was being looked into to see if he was the culprit. On April 7th, 1979, Laura Mae McVeigh who was a 16-year-old girl, was raped and murdered. She lived in Ionia County, and Gerald had been the prime suspect at the time. He had moved to New York in the month between April, well, I'm sorry, the month between when April had gone missing and when her body had been found. April was not the month. April is her name. And then he moves back to Michigan two years later after she disappears. And Gerald had been arrested for her murder in 1981 while he was living in Niles, Michigan, where he had grown up. In 1982, a judge in Wexford County ruled that the police hadn't properly searched Gerald's home for evidence and they had violated his rights. The officers were charged with lying about their evidence when trying to obtain the warrant for Gerald's home and the charges had to be dropped against him at that time. Yeah, so he's guilty and for some unknown reason, something we don't know, the cops lied when they got the warrant and then they got called out for the lie and it just everything he got to go free. So although he was considered to be her killer and he had gone through like a portion of the court proceedings, he hadn't been brought to trial. 
so his case did not qualify for double jeopardy. So you know how you can't charge someone twice for the same crime? Because he didn't go right. to trial, he wasn't actually charged, so he can go to jail. But all the articles I read about it later don't say that he was convicted for the murder of Laura, but just that they that they were going to. But I don't see where it happened. And I looked at Otis, and it only has the active murder for Don Magyar. So I don't know if huh. they, in the end, didn't convict him for Laura's murder or realized because he's in jail for life, there's no point of taking him to trial or if her family feels like it's enough just to know that they believe it's him. You know what I mean? For closure. Right. Yeah. And that is the story of the huh. murderer of Don Magyar. That's I know. crazy. Next time I actually have a story See? about a Canadian. Yeah. Really? I'll tell you it later. <laughs> all your you stories know, about Michigan, but I go all over the place. <laughs> well, I I happened to actually step out Michigan. of Michigan and go yeah. to New York I, on purpose. Yeah, well, but... when you said New York, I was like, "Don't don't worry, girl, I got you. I got Michigan this time." <laughs> all right, Jen, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, bye. Contact us at Anchor or Michigan and Other Mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.